0: Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively.
1: Your hosts, Candy
0: and Ashley, will
1: discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale.
2: Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about. And everything in between so come on and join the fun the curtain opens in
1: Well, hi again, Ashley. Hello again, Candy. It feels like we were just talking. We just were. (laughs) Hey guys, so just a reminder that about an hour into our recording about Lucille Ball, we realized, hmm, we're only about halfway through our notes. Perhaps this should be a two-parter. It was not intended to
0: be a two-parter, but yet
1: here we are. There's a lot to talk about with Lucy and Desi. Yes. So we are back now. The last that we left off, we had just listened to Carrie and Jeff Ketterman, who are our guests who have so kindly sent us some audio clips. Just as a reminder, Carrie and Jeff Ketterman have their own tribute show that they do for Lucy and Desi. And so they are very knowledgeable and very interesting to listen to. So Mm -hmm. we've been sprinkling some of their audio clips into our episode. And we had left off where they had just shared a little bit about some of their favorite moments. Yes. Well, before we jump back into our timeline, I thought we might just kind of take just a tiny detour to talk about the movies because Carrie did reference the long, long trailer right, in that right. little audio clip that we were listening to. Yes. Just to put this in context, the I Love Lucy show ran from 1951 to 1957. And during that time frame, Lucy and Desi also made a couple of movies. But they were not Lucy,
0: Ricardo, and...
1: No, okay. they were, a, yes, a different fictional okay. couple. Right, the long, long trailer, was the first one. It was a 1954 movie that they filmed together and here's the summary which I believe I pulled from IMDB. Nicholas Collini, played by Desi, has to travel for his job as an engineer. So his fiance, Tacy, which was played by Lucille Ball, suggests that rather than buy a house after their wedding, they invest in a motorhome so they can see the country together. But the aggravations of life with nosy trailer park neighbors and the dangers of piloting an enormous trailer <laughs> across narrow country roads soon take their toll on the happy couple, putting their young marriage in turmoil. That sounds like a good plot. Have you seen it? Nope. I have not. I haven't either. Wikipedia had a little anecdote about their film and the success of it, which I thought was interesting. They credited this actually to Turner Classic Movies. Apparently the host, Robert Osborne. I had, love Robert Osborne. Do you? I love him.
0: Take a moment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Take <Robert>. a moment. <laughs> yes. We just have to like yes. sit here and yes.
1: enjoy the thought of this <laughs> yes. man that yes. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I, he is such a huge part of my childhood. Really? Yes. A lot of my children trivia that I know is thanks to Robert Osborne because he would host Turner Classic Movies and he would come on before the film would start and he would give us a little bit of trivia ah. about the movie and he would give us little tidbits and I have two of his academy award books up there on the shelf really? that he wrote about. Yes, yes, he is the <laughs> godfather of trivia. Thank you Robert Osborne.
1: Well, your man Robert. Yes. <laughs> so-
0: my man. I love him. <laughs> Loved him.
1: Well, here's a piece of trivia that he shared. He said, that the studio was not sure that this film would be a success because they were afraid people would not want to pay money to see this couple in a movie together when they could just watch them on TV for free. Mm -hmm. So Desi supposedly made a $25,000 bet with the studio that the movie would make more money than the current highest grossing comedy at that time, which was Father of the Bride starring Spencer Tracy and Elizabeth Elizabeth Taylor. Taylor. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh yeah. And he won the bet. Wow. The film gave audiences an opportunity to see them in color ah, while I Love Lucy was in black and white, yeah. which they thought was one of the big selling points. Yeah. And even though obviously the two characters they played were similar yeah. also to, to Lucy and Ricky, which could be another selling point.
0: And the all the pretty scenery. I bet if they oh, were it going across good. the yeah. country, yeah.
1: Yeah. I've seen like little clips, mm-hmm. I think. So I, I do think, I think know that much. But according to MGM records, the film earned 3978000 in the U.S. and Canada. Canada and more a little more than 1 million elsewhere which resulted in a profit of $3,550,000. I
0: would like that now.
1: Right? And (laughs) I would really liked it back in 1954. They also did one other film together that was mentioned, which was Forever Darling. That I believe was 1956. This movie concerned the marriage of this visionary chemist named Lorenzo, played by Desi. I love that he was
0: an engineer and a chemist. Aim high, Desi. Aim high.
1: (laughs) And a high society girl named Susan. That was Lucy. And so she couldn't decide if she should call concentrate on entertaining friends and keeping up her appearances or joining her husband on a two-year field test of his bug killing spray. James Mason supposedly starred as a handsome guardian angel attempting to steer Susan toward happiness but along the path toward resolution lots of mayhem ensues. That's from a summary of course Uh you could tell. A lengthy camping scene full of disaster will delight I Love Lucy fans.
0: So they were just playing themselves again. Yeah, Or the Ricardo selves.
1: I mean, it fit, right? Yeah, it this this yeah. was a, a formula that worked for them. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. and we know they're, they're kind of all about that formula.
1: Yeah. So something else that happened during this time frame that they were doing the I Love Lucy show was, this was mentioned in the documentary and I knew nothing about it, there was that 1953 scare when Lucy yeah. was accused of being a communist. And
0: again, thanks to Desi, he really got her
1: out of that. Mm-hmm. So if I understood this correctly, she had registered that way because her grandfather had insisted but she really, her, her point was she was not affiliated with the party in any way. She right. didn't vote that way. Right. Which
0: who knows if that's, she's going to say that. I mean, her right. political affiliations are her own. It's not our business. But her grandpa was for the working man. So that's why he registered that way. And they registered, according to their later story, they registered that way to placate him.
1: Mm-hmm. And so this would have been something that could have possibly derailed. Destroyed her. Yeah, yes. her ab- yeah, absolutely. But as you said, Desi's the one who really stepped in and saved the day because one of the things that he did was instead of his usual audience warm-up, one day in front of the, the audience for I Love Lucy, he told the whole story about Lucy and her grandfather. And then he actually made that, that quip, quote, the only thing red about Lucy is her hair. And even that is not legitimate.
0: Yeah, I thought that he invited the reporters to their home.
1: I didn't remember that, but mm-hmm. I think now that you're saying it.
0: I think what I remember mm-hmm. is that he invited the reporters to their house and that's where he told them the story. Then okay. he took the reporters to a recording of the episode and let okay. them watch and then in and, and then what you're right, what he said is the quip about her hair.
1: Okay. I didn't get all the details. Thank you for clarifying that. So now we're back kind of in our timeline. Mm-hmm. The I Love Lucy show is, is barreling oh, along. Oh, oh
0: before before we forget, he got Jay Edgar Hoover on the line and mm-hmm. and held it up to a microphone where Jay Edgar said she's cleared of all charges.
1: That's right. Yeah. So the, that's right. The
0: resolution was that they did not hold anything against her.
1: Yeah. So with this success and everything going well again, they decided to take more chances with their production company. One of the things that happened in real life was that Lucy got pregnant. And it was, they were heading into season two. This is 1953. And it would obviously be their second child, Desi Jr. And so they became the first show in history to depict a pregnant woman. They weren't even allowed to say the word pregnant back then. She had to
0: say expectant.
1: Yeah, but they pushed for this. This was something, again, that they pushed for. And they said, no, this is going to be okay. And sure enough, they were right. They set it up. They were very strategic about the way that they got the emotions of the audience with them.
0: Yeah, and the way they announced it on the show Mm-hmm really struck a chord with in my heart because the way he sang it mm-hmm. and then it's her and the moment where they are standing there and he's like nuzzling her and she looks r- truly emotional yes. it does not look like acting right because it really struck that empathetic chord within me about probably how much they wanted this second child mm-hmm. and how it was their real life bleeding over into television i feel like that was a moment of vulnerability where we got to see really them right in that little moment
1: yeah, I love that. But then again, they were also very smart about building that empathy yes. and that relationship with our audience because they timed it on the same day that Lucy gave birth in real life to Desi Jr. in January of 1953 was the same day the audiences watched the recorded version of Lucy introducing she know Little that she was Ricky get to the birth world that day. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was that same day, but they timed it at the same time. Maybe that was a coincidence. I'm not sure. But yeah, but that was a point that they made was it actually ended up lining up. So something else... That Desi did that was shrewd. We've talked about a lot of his groundbreaking moves already, but something else was that he basically invented the concept of reruns. It talked about that he did some negotiations in 1954 with CBS, and he agreed to let the network air some of their older episodes of I Love Lucy. And he said this was a deal that brought in new sponsorship. It opened the door for syndication, and mm. it and it was this whole idea of reruns. I He's mean, such it, an was, it was it was. And they talked about the fact that you said this. I think even in our last episode he left lucy really to be the comedic genius yeah and he you know he was still acting he was still the 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 wonderful actor and and the the comedian too right but he was really pushing to expand their business he was launching other shows like an adaptation of our miss brooks and december bride and it said that around that same time of 1954 he also had bought the Motion Picture Center facilities in Hollywood and he was renting out the extra sound stages to non-company production so he was expanding their business. He basically. bought RKO too right? Yes he did in fact it's coming right up here it said that he boosted the sale of Lucy episodes to CBS and then turned around and bought RKO Studios in late 1957 for around six million dollars. Yeah, because
0: I think his quote in the documentary was you either need to quit or you have to go bigger. Mm. And he decided to go bigger.
1: Yeah. And then it was only a year after that, that he became a publicly traded company when all of his shares for the in the company were snapped up after hitting the market. Yeah. So, like, how he knew to do these things? I don't know.
0: But then, again, I'm I'm coming back to the melancholy here because now we're entering the territory where I'm like, all your dreams are coming true and your personal life is getting ready to crumble because all your dreams came true.
1: You couldn't have done a better segue because this is exactly when things are starting yeah. to fall apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the show I Love Lucy ends and they move right into the Lucille Ball-Desi Arnaz show in the fall of 1957. And it said... It was a major step down in quality when mm-hmm. they went to kind of this Lucy Desi comedy hour mm-hmm. idea. But it was it was something that was easier for them yeah. in terms of
0: And they said producing. they only intended to do this for five years anyway. Mm-hmm. So they just decided we're going to do five years. They did five years. And he's so busy that yeah. it's hard for him to do all of this. I think they said he got there at eight in the morning and he didn't leave till midnight. Yeah. So he's working really hard. Right. And then he's having to do the acting too. So he said, why don't we just do this once a month
1: mm-hmm. instead
0: of every?"
1: Every week. Yeah. And he's, as you, we keep saying, he's pushing out there. He's starting the, the Westinghouse Desilu Playhouse, which was an anthology series that spawned, they said, popular series like The Untouchables and The Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. So he's just continuing mm-hmm. to expand. But in his memoir, talked about the pressures of running a production company mm-hmm. and com- I should say, combined with what his daughter said, Lucy said, were the insecurities of being Mr. Ball. Oh. Yeah, like being kind of like overshadowed by his wife, she speculated that that helped push him towards alcohol. Mm -hmm. So he was really upping his reliance on substance, Mm -hmm. well, drinking Mm -hmm. on on alcohol. And so after 20 years of marriage, Lucy was done. It mentioned the drinking and the infidelities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And
0: I thought it was interesting that they they went to counseling or they started counseling. I don't think he finished it. And someone asked, you know, did you figure out it was his fault? And she's like, no, I knew I, I figured out what my part in it was you know Mm -hmm. part of it was my fault part of it was his fault and they just came to maybe that's what helped them get along so much better afterwards and i thought lucy arnaz made a really good point that it got to the point where desi was hurting lucy with his actions but lucy was hurting desi with her words Mm. so that could Mm -hmm. be the the mutual faults
1: there. Right, right. Well, Lucy filed for divorce in March of 1960, after shooting their final episode of the Lucy Desi Comedy Hour. And again, they had been married 20 years, but they continued to work together. Mm -hmm. In fact, Desilu signed on to produce Wildcat, which was this show that ran on Broadway from late 1960 into the spring of 1961 that Lucille Ball starred in. And he, uh, Desi, helped to launch lucy's next tv show which was the lucy show that started in october of 1962 so there wasn't like this huge time span that went by
0: and lucy arnaz said as soon as they were divorced they started being nicer to each other yeah well and that might you know the
1: pressure was over right so the premise of the lucy show was described on imdb in this way here's a quote from imdb after her husband's death lucy carmichael and her recently divorced best friend vivian bagley move into a house together with their children the series follows the adventures of the widow lucy as she grapples with the comic complications of life on her own with her income being controlled by impatient grumpy banker Mr. Mooney um it mentioned that I think she's supposed to play the personal assistant to Mr. Mooney in this I
0: like how it's just Lucy and Vivian we're just going Mm -hmm. we're not even using Mm -hmm. character names now guys it's just us
1: well interesting I saw that Vivian was the one who said first of all she wouldn't do it unless they agreed not to make her wear frumpy clothes (laughs) she wanted to be able to like dress nicely again because that was something she valued Mm -hmm. and she also said Said, let me just use my name. She wanted to be separated from her other character.
0: I gotcha.
1: So those were a couple of things that Vivian Vance And they totally for. ditched the
0: boys. Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> killed the one yeah. and they divorced the other
1: one. Yeah, they were gone. <laughs> and it was interesting. This is just a little piece of trivia. But at one point when in my research it mentioned that Vivian Vance was a little... She wasn't super excited about playing the wife of yes. William Frawley. Yes. She was much younger. Yes,
0: yeah, she was 22 years younger and she made a comment that she was insulted That anyone Mm -hmm. would believe that she'd be married to that old man, and he heard her say that, and then it hurt his feelings. So they kind of had some tension throughout the show because of that,
1: which makes me a little sad. So apparently, in order to agree to do this, she wanted it to be a little bit more on her terms. I think, and she actually left before the show was over. I'm, I'm not sure why. I didn't take the time to try to find that, but the show lasted for six seasons, and I'm pretty sure she was gone for at least a couple of them.
0: They all. I think I also saw in the documentary where she was one of the first people to play a divorce woman.
1: Yes, that's true. She, she broke some ground there too. Well, what was interesting to me was that just thinking about it, I mean, we've already said, you know, Desi's helping her launch her new show without him. And, it, you know, this divorced woman, that's already a little personal. But Lucy was already dating her new fella at this point. Comedian and producer Gary Morton was already on her radar. According to some biographers, the two began dating soon after Gary had been introduced to Lucy at this club. And supposedly, this is a very meat, cute little story. Uh Supposedly, he had accidentally dipped his tie into her coffee as he went to shake her hand. And then she sent him three replacement ties. Mm. He called to thank her. And then it wasn't long before they were were dating. And it said, unfortunately, I think a lot of times he was referred to as Lucille Ball's boyfriend Mm. or husband after they were married. That was just kind of how he was relegated. The couple, by the way, married in New York in November of 1961. And Gary did sign a prenuptial agreement.
0: 1961. And she and Dazzy divorced in 1960.
1: It said that she filed for divorce in March of 1960. So no, it did not take her long to find another spouse. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't look it up, but Desi got remarried, I think, fairly quickly, too.
0: Well, in the documentary, it said that it broke his heart that she Mm -hmm. got remarried. So I'm like, what are you going to do, Desi? You're divorced. But anyway, it Mm -hmm. broke his heart. But then he did get remarried within a few years. And it worked. I mean, both of them were married to the Mm -hmm. second spouses, I assume, Lucy Arnaz said, for longer than they were married to each other.
1: Well, and one of the things that Lucy said, she was quoted by journalists as saying, I look forward to a nice, quiet life. Hmm. Yeah. So, kind of to piggyback on what you just said, Lucy Junior talked in some different interviews about the divorce and the in the situation. This was actually an interview for the Archive of American Television. I watched this this very interesting short little interview that she had given, and she talked about how tough it was on her when her parents were getting divorced. Yeah, she said it was not a shock that she and her brother had heard the arguments, mm-hmm. but she said she didn't want her daddy to move out and yeah. to be gone more because he was already gone a, a lot. lot, and she said that Gary was a really nice man but it was still tough to see her mother remarried so quickly Mm -hmm. but she did speculate that it must have been nice for her mom not to have to worry about being embarrassed or the drinking or to see her husband smiling and giggling with the ladies so I mean if a daughter is saying this and she was young yeah it's pretty prevalent this was obviously not something that was hidden very well she did go on to share that she seemed to I don't know she didn't sound like she was super close to her stepdad Gary Gary, but she seemed to like him. She said that he was a nice guy. He always spoke very highly when he would talk about Desi. She said that he would even like stand there in some of his opening talks. He would give credit to Desi for his business sense and building the Desilu empire. But then she she laughed and said her dad did not seem to feel the same way about Gary. (laughs) And that he would actually make jokes about Gary and sometimes refer to him as Barry Norton (laughs) instead of his real name, just trying to be funny. But then again, as we just said, the stepmom, Desi's new wife, Edith, or who she called Edie she seemed to to love I mean she did speak really highly of her okay one last thought about this divorce situation Roger Ebert was doing some kind of review on one of the productions and he just offered this little insight which reminds me of what you and I had talked about earlier he just felt like it did have something to do with that idea of how Desi had grown up rich and then lost it all yeah but he He came from wealth, you know, originally, and at some point, he just wanted to stop. Like, he wasn't valuing that, you know, acquisition of wealth anymore. He was done. Yeah. Whereas... He seemed to be insinuating that, you know, he felt like having grown up in poverty, that Lucille Ball just just couldn't stop working, that it was just this thing that just kind of compelled her.
0: One of the audio clips of Desi, he said, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I had other interests. I wanted to do other things. And Lucy didn't. She needed it. She needed to keep going. And that could have been a real, real issue between the two of them. Because if one of you wants to have retirement, and the other one doesn't. But then Lucy says, with Gary, she's looking forward to a nice, quiet life. So what changed? was Lucy thinking, as long as I work, I'll have an eye on Desi?
1: Well, I mean, their daughter Lucy said that. She straight up said that her mom wanted to work with him because, to keep she, an eye on because him. she thought that was going to save the marriage. Mm. Like, that literally is what she said, They mm-hmm. that they did that to save the marriage. It's coming up in the notes. We'll talk about this a little bit more later. But Gary immediately became drawn right into Lucy's world, too. He produced things for did her. He? She would have him do warm-ups or, or opening talks. I mean, like he was very involved in her life, too. But it sounds like he was always there to support her mm-hmm. like he was always there he was there. a beta male he i don't know if i would go
0: that, that sounds Oh, I don't mean it in a mean way. Oh, okay, okay. Alpha male is sort of like go get her. Beta male is like Jim from the Office. Oh, he's okay. just sweet and okay, kind and yeah. supportive, and he's not out to. He's not Bruce Willis and Die Hard. That's an alpha male. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's. I'm not being. I'm not okay, being insulting. I got you. No, I got you. Yeah. Beta males are nice. Okay,
1: good. And that sounds like he, what he was. Yeah. He sounds like he came right into her life. He supported her. He loved her. I think she was always confident with him. Mm-hmm. She could trust that he was always going to be there for her and i don't know that she could trust desi in that way yeah so back to um desi and lucy basically their interactions just kind of stopped when lucy ended up having to buy out desi's stock shares and, and take over the company and supposedly it was because at this point she had grown so fearful that his alcoholism was just going to hurt the company. He, he was either going to make bad moves yeah. or it was and going to destroy the company's done. image. And he yeah. was just done. Yeah, true. Yeah, he, he just wanted to be done with it. So this actually, another groundbreaking move, Lucille Ball became the first female head of a major Hollywood studio. But this was interesting to me. And I think it might have come out in the documentary. Lucy Jr. made a huge point about her mom was not a feminist this was not some kind of a huge move on her mom's part to take over and to try to kind of advance the yeah. female cause. It She's, was just a
0: necessity. It
1: was a necessity. She said that her mom hated it. Her mom didn't want to mm-hmm. do it. When Lucy Jr. felt like that was the slant that the documentary might take, she actually had discussions with Amy Poehler and the team. And she said, if this is how you're going to portray my mom, I don't want you to do this documentary. It was only after they agreed to show the truth, the truth that she said, yes, I'll go forward and I'll give you these t- tapes and I'll collaborate with you. Was Amy thinking
0: that it was going to be a big feminism?
1: Based on what Lucy Jr said, that's the angle, the slant that it was taking and and she she literally used the the term that she had to straighten it out. Like mm. she had to straighten it out and then she seemed to be very happy with the way it turned out, but her fear was again the word quote she thought it would be fake if yeah. it if it showed it a different way. So just to finish that thought, apparently Lucy told the producers quote That her mom had never thought of herself as a feminist, and that some of the work that Lucy did at Desilu Productions was just quote dumped on her mm-hmm. again quote she hated every minute of it all she wanted to do was a show and those right. are words again from Lucy Gina. yeah I think
0: in the in the documentary she talked about how when when desi ran everything all she had to worry about was being funny mm-hmm. and just doing the creative mm-hmm. stuff and he took care of all the I don't want to say heavy lifting because the what she was doing is important too right but all the paperwork all the business stuff and then when she had to she said I had to start confronting people and she just didn't like it
1: no not a bit and that's okay yeah but she was she was good at it yeah. she could do it she didn't and want
0: to it
1: it said that she really struggled like like desi seemed to have this gift for numbers and people skills and he mm-hmm. knew how to like you know kind of work people and and she that wasn't natural to her and so she continued to do solid business she still rented the facility she made money and it specifically said that she's the one even though it was going to be super expensive she said nope she saw the potential in star trek okay so it she, was her. Okay. she pushed forward with that and mission impossible and it says it says their fans can thank her today but still she was ready to sell it in 1967 when she had the opportunity mm-hmm. to go ahead and get a buyout from paramount yeah before we move on maybe this would be a good time to take a break
0: okay let's do it
1: it's time for our april giveaway for a chance to win your very own scandal water t-shirt simply post a picture of yourself on facebook holding a cup of tea with a caption hashtag podcast the winner will be announced on April 30th. Cheers! All right, we're back. Okay. So after Desilu was sold, Lucy did go ahead and form a new company, Lucille Ball Productions, but it sounds like she did not have that same, you know, all-consuming role Maybe that she, she did. Maybe she hired yeah. people to yeah. do
0: the other stuff?
1: Probably. Mm-hmm. I didn't really dig into that, but it did mention that her husband, Gary, at least for uh, some time, served as the company vice president. I think he was really involved with her stuff. Well, in 1964, this was interesting to me. Lucy went back to radio Oh. in the Let's talk to Lucy. And it was for a, I thought, a really cool reason. She specifically said that all these years, she was a character and she never got to be herself. And so she went back and did this radio show, which was just kind of on her own, where when she had breaks, or it was like when it was on the film set, and maybe she would just like go grab some other star and she would just interview them. Oh, neat. I know. And she so did a
0: podcast.
1: They literally <laughs> said it was kind of like the I saw a, a little article about it and it said, Lucy, the first podcaster. That's me. Yeah. Neat. So it was very cool. It didn't last long. It was only about a year. But that was something super interesting she did with radio mm-hmm. when she's in. Embroiled in the middle of all this TV stuff. Okay, so the Lucy show closed in 1968. It had a few Emmy wins to its credit, and she moved right into something else, which was Here's Lucy, which ran for six more seasons. That was 1968
0: to 1974.
1: Is this the one her kids ran? Yes. Okay. Yes. And the premise here was that she played this woman, Lucy Carter, who was a widow with two teenage children, and she takes a job as a secretary for her stuffy brother in law, which was played by Gail Gordon. And of course, as you just said, Lucy and Desi Arnaz Jr. played her kiddos on the show.
0: Now She, she really did keep her family in it, didn't she?
1: She really mm-hmm. did. She even sometimes had her husband appear occasionally on both the Lucy show and Here's Lucy. But they made a point of saying he never got the exposure that Desi got. Like it was never a big deal mm. when when her second husband did anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after Here's Lucy ended, Lucy continued to work, but it was more low key. I don't think she had any She's of the... Finally relaxing right, a little. Any of the bo- big standout roles. She was the lead actress in a a number of comedy television specials, which they said was mainly through like maybe the second half of the 1970s. And she was the lead in a 1985 dramatic made for TV movie called Stone Pillow that was about an elderly homeless woman, but it said it got mixed reviews. A lot of people watched it, but maybe not the best show. Okay. And then she made an attempt to come back to TV. This was in 1986. It was called Life with Lucy and it was very unsuccessful unfortunately it only ran from September 20th to November 15th of 1986 because it got canceled pretty quickly only eight of the 13 episodes were actually even aired wonder why they just said it wasn't very good the critics and the viewers neither one liked it so and she had convinced Gail Gordon to come back so he he actually came back with her but it just didn't do any well and this is during the same time frame that Desi was dying Mm. in fact you remember the story when Lucy Jr. was talking about taking care of her dad and she talked about you shared it earlier in the first episode about how Lucy came to visit yes, and, it was, and they got
0: to watch themselves yeah. and and just I just felt like how they must have felt being together and seeing themselves and just thinking of look at all the stuff that we accomplished mm-hmm. together and this is when they did that montage I got really emotional mm-hmm. listening and watching and thinking of the two of them watching that and then the last conversation conversation oh, that they yeah. had. I got I got really choked up.
1: Yeah, that conversation was in their final final days. Pulled up the quote because I thought it was so powerful. Here's what Lucy Jr. talked about in the documentary. She said, of course her mom had called. Mm-hmm. She said, "Quote, I put the phone up to dad's ear in the bed. I said, it's the redhead." Mm-hmm. He just listened and I heard what he said. She just said the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again. It was, "I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you. Desi, I love you." You could even hear the intonations of the voice change how she meant each one end quote now this was from another source where lucy had also been telling somebody else more about this situation here's more of what she added she talked about the fact that her mom said i love you five times in a row and that he was nodding and saying i "I love love you you too honey honey. and then several sources said that he added good luck with your show which was the same show that we were just talking about Mm -hmm. so his last thing he's saying to her is he loves her and good luck with her tv show I
0: know. And then when Lucy brought up the point that he went into a coma and that he died on December 1205, December 2nd, and then she thought, wow, he got to talk to mom and me and a nurse and that's it. But then she realized that they had talked on November 30th, which was their anniversary.
1: I have that same quote that talks about it. She said, he died in my arms. None of us realized it at the time, but the day they last spoke was November 30th, their wedding anniversary. And then as you said, he passed two days later on December 2nd. And of course it was due to lung cancer and he was sick. 69 years old. He was
0: only 69. Mm -hmm.
1: And then to put that in context, it was only five days after his death that Lucille Ball was recognized at the Kennedy Center honors award.
0: And when Robert Stack Mm -hmm. read that Mm -hmm. note, I wondered was that an old note that or did Desi? Desi was
1: supposed to have introduced her. Desi had written that. That was his introduction that he had written because he was going to be the one at that awards show to present. Inducted.
0: That was the first thought I had. Is why not both of them?
1: I have no idea. Okay, but but
0: putting that aside, but when he said, oh my. I can't even... When he said, I love Lucy, was never just a title. I was just like, I can't. And I then cried. Her, yeah. her face when she yeah. heard that and knowing he had just died five days ago and that's what he was going to say. And that's, that's literally his last message to her. Yeah, I'm
1: yeah. Just, oh. I had to look it up because it got me. The person who ended up reading it was their friend, Robert Stack. And so he ends up reading Desi's words there in that auditorium to all those people with Lucy. And I didn't get all of it, but the last part of it was... Lucy was the show. Viv, Fred, and I were just props. Damn good props, but props nevertheless. P.S. I Love Lucy was never just the title. So that's how it went. And Lucy died less than three years later on April 26, 1989 from cardiac arrest. She was 77 and she was still married to her husband, Gary, who lived another decade. He passed away in 1999 of lung cancer. Which, by the way, I don't know that I mentioned this, but he was significantly younger than she was oh really yeah he i want to say it was something like 13 years younger oh yeah he was only 74 when he died in 1999 goodness yeah Oh, so I didn't even want to try to read to you guys all the awards and honors this lady won because honestly, I was like, this is going to take a while and you all get bored. But just to just to give you a sampling between Emmys, Stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, a commemorative stamp made in her honor, that Kennedy Center Honors Award that she was given that we just talked about. She received a Presidential Medal of Freedom at some point. She was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. She had statues made after. To her in her honor. Oh, and yeah.
0: Ugly Lucy, right?
1: <laughs> scary Lucy. Scary Lucy. <laughs> Did you hear that story?
0: I just remember there was a scary Lucy and then they had to redo it, right? They redid.
1: Okay. Here's the funny part. Okay. 2009 was when they made the statue of Lucille Ball and put it on display uh-huh. in her grandpa's, you know, where she grew up in Celeron, New York, and they started calling it Scary Lucy because <laughs> it looked so bad. Poor and poor. then on August 1st, 2016, they, decide, they announced they were going to put a new statue of her up they were going to replace it but when they did the tourists wanted to see the old one and like scary lucy better so they had to put they have them both out now (laughs) so that you can see both versions of lucy oh goodness
2: Armchair Psychologist.
1: So for our Armchair Psychologist segment, one of the things I I hoped we'd be able to talk about for a few minutes is the impact of these people, Lucy and Desi, and and why it is that we're talking about them all these years later. And so before you and I jumped Mm -hmm. in, I thought I would let Carrie and Jeff have the first word. So let's let's hear what they had to say.
2: I mean, I think Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz together were just... Creative geniuses, really, and you're probably familiar with the fact that you know Desi Arnaz was more than just the straight man on the show. I mean, his his ideas, his uh, three-camera TV method that he created for television was, of course, then used from that point on. Uh, He is the first person to ever use the rerun and syndication. So uh, he he was smart; he was extremely smart, business sense and and Lucy was too i mean they were both very smart when it came to business and business decisions and so i i think they don't probably get enough credit especially Lucy i mean because Lucy was always The people look at her and they think she's just a comedian and and she's kind of a clown. And like Carrie said, uh, you know, she she really wasn't a funny person. And she was the first to admit that. I mean, she she could be funny and she could turn it on. But she was really not genuinely a funny person. And because of that, I think she got a bad rap at times, too, for being uh, kind of the B, uh, you know, the B word. (laughs) Uh, but uh, she she was just that really driven and wanted success that badly for the show and she knew what it took to get it
3: and I think another thing that I love about her and her history is that when she started in Hollywood they really didn't know what to do with her so you know if you look at her list of credits of course we know her best for I Love Lucy but if you look back at some of her earlier films she was you know put in serious roles she also realized that she needed to stand out there's a couple of quotes that she's attributed to saying you know of course i'm I'm not funny she also said you know i couldn't sing i couldn't dance so she knew she had to do something that would get attention so when she was doing some of her earlier film work at a time when women wouldn't dare take a pie in the face or you know get sprayed with a seltzer bottle she said that's fine. I'll go ahead and be that person. And then you can kind of see in her earlier work, those glimpses of that Lucille Ball character that was going to come through later in I Love Lucy, which I think it's just fascinating to see where her career started and what she learned and how she ended up.
1: You know, they, it's interesting, Jeff brought up something that we hadn't discussed, which was the fact that by being that woman who would take the roles, who would push for her career moves, I want my husband to be in the yeah. show with me, would take over a company and run it, would basically not be afraid to be aggressive in going after what she needed, mm-hmm. that sometimes she had a little bit of a reputation for being hard nosed right. or not being very feminine, which could lead to some negative thoughts about her. But I don't see it that way. I mean, I think she was going after what she wanted. And she probably what's the word when you're so focused, she was probably so single minded, -minded. so driven Uh that that Maybe sometimes she didn't get to have downtime, maybe didn't get to socialize or be as warm with some people as she might have wanted to otherwise, but I think that was probably something that she prioritized.
0: I would just like to explore in my mind what was driving her even after they had achieved so much success. Like you said, you didn't even read all of her awards. Why did she keep doing the shows? What was driving her? Was it because she said, I'm not funny. I'm not X, Y, and Z. I just rehearsed. And I do that So she's not wanting to be funny She's wanting to do shows Is it because she wants to employ her children? Is she needing to be in the public eye? Like what? what is that behind those other shows? We know the first one was to be with Desi mm-hmm. And maybe the later one with her kids Was to be with her mm-hmm. kids But why not just do retirement Or do what you want to do? Mm-hmm. It feels like the TV shows Maybe weren't what she wanted to do But what she felt like she had to do Or is she just terrified of losing the
1: wealth? interestingly i i kind of saved this because i knew that you would enjoy this it's kind right. of a little surprise just this morning as i was finalizing some of my notes and things i ran across an article that said remember when we were talking about the 1964 radio show she did where she would interview famous people yeah, yeah, yeah. they have released it you can go to your favorite podcatcher so she is a podcaster she is a podcaster <laughs> like I listened to probably four or five of the episodes as I was driving or putting on my makeup just today because some of them are very short. I got to hear her talking to Bing Crosby and to Danny Kay and to Carol Channing and Vivian Vance. Nice. Yes. It's out. It's on SiriusXM or as I said, you can go find this. I think it's called...
0: Lucy Does a Podcast?
1: Let's Talk to Lucy. Oh, I knew it had to have something Lucy in the title. (laughs) It's called Let's Talk to Lucy and I thought it was fascinating, but one of the things just in listening to, as I said, the four or five short episodes I heard her say twice something about the need to be needed so that was something I was like that's interesting that she's mentioned this idea twice of needing to be needed Uh and I also heard her say something about there. this is a paraphrase but something to the effect of there's no social gathering that is more fun to me than work. She, I think the need to feel successful, the need to work and to feel that she's achieving something was just innate okay. in her. But
0: then I wonder if that tragedy and being so poor influenced her needing to, like what you just said, just that need mm-hmm. to be needed and mm-hmm. the need to be in the spotlight, not necessarily because I enjoy it, but because I need it. Does that make mm-hmm.
1: sense? It does. And it made me wonder, similar to what you're saying, she had to work to help to support her family yeah. at a very, very young age. Yeah. Like, And we've talked time and time again about how important it was to support your family, to take in yeah. your family, to have these things. So I agree, was that tied in there too? The mm-hmm. need not only to be needed, but the need to feel like you're supporting your family, you're making a difference. You're, you're. But
0: at some point, didn't she make enough to support them? I mean, the $5 million sale back then, $5 million was a lot. Now they could have had a high cost of living sure but at what point would it have been enough for her I wonder if she would have reached that point like would she have worked like all the way up to she did work all the way up to the very end but let's say she didn't have I'm assuming she died of cancer or something like that right
1: she had a heart attack
0: oh a heart attack mm-hmm. if she had enough would she have kept going like was she gonna work until the end no matter when the end was
1: I suspect she would have uh-huh. until she was too sick to do otherwise uh-huh. I removed it from my notes because I could not find any corroboration for this uh-huh. But there was a quote that had just been posted on a Lucy fan site that supposedly she had said either at or somewhere around that event of being honored at the Kennedy Center. And the quote was something to the effect of how much she needed that because after having her show canceled and losing Desi, she wasn't feeling loved or that she had been very successful. Mm. And so I almost feel like she was just chasing Mm -hmm. chasing approval chasing Mm -hmm. success Mm -hmm. chasing affirmation her whole life she
0: looked surprised when they gave her that standing Mm -hmm. ovation yeah and even when the in the documentary when she had that second i guess it was a second emmy she again looked surprised it's like do you not realize your Mm -hmm. impact on how do you not know? But I guess maybe she didn't. Maybe she was so focused on doing it that she wasn't She wasn't seeing the forest because she was too in the middle of the trees. Like, mm-hmm. you don't see what you've done. Right. You're just still this tunnel vision of, I've got to do the next thing and the next thing and the next right.
1: thing. Right. And maybe I'll finally achieve that yeah. success. Maybe I'll finally get there if I just keep working hard enough. And
0: she'd already gotten there. She's a complex woman. They were both very complex. And I think that's why there's, to go back to your original question, which I don't even remember now, why are we still talking (laughs) about them? I think because they are so complicated and complex and tragic and they're very fascinating.
1: Yeah, I love what you just said because you reminded me earlier when um, Carrie had made a comment about how it took so much work to make their acting and their comedy seem effortless. Yeah. It's kind of like that same juxtaposition. It's like here are two people who seem so lighthearted and like their their persona that that the audience has seen all these years are these two just fun loving lighthearted people that are in this relationship that looks just as lighthearted and fun and yet what's going on beneath mm-hmm. the surface is mm-hmm. just so complicated like you said. Yeah. Well before we wrap things up we want to say a huge thank you to Carrie and Jeff yes. Ketterman. We so appreciate your audio clips that added a a lot of extra spice to this episode and we will be again posting your video clips in our show notes and on our facebook scandal water podcast page but to bring this to a close we want to give a big cheers to lucy and desi lucy and
0: desi i'm going to be thinking about you guys for a long time
1: yeah we started by sharing what lucy arnaz had said about the documentary being about unconditional love and i think as we end i think that's a reminder that that that's probably one of the biggest things i'm taking away from this they're
0: unconditional yeah. love for each other yeah cheers cheers
1: this episode of scandal water was executive produced by candy thomas that's me And Ashley Raymer Brown. That's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown.
0: All music was written, composed, performed, and mixed by Josh Martin. The artwork was designed by Matt C. Adams, while our website was developed by Joshua Reith. If you like what you hear and you want to help keep the Scandal Water brewing, please go to our website, scandalwaterpodcast.com. Just click on your podcatcher of choice, then hit follow to subscribe. And while you're there, you might as well leave us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget, it's always more fun when you share your tea with others.
1: As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests Advertisers. Or,
0: clearly, professional psychologists.
1: Thanks for listening.